happy holidays and welcome to Certain Point of Yule. Now is the season of our Christmas content, which means that we plan on watching those new Christmas movies so you don't have to. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. We are a married couple based out in New Jersey who love Christmas. So much. Though, honestly, when we first got together, I feel like you didn't love Christmas as much. I never really saw as much of a point in holidays, just as a general rule, setting aside specific days in which to celebrate, you know, love and happiness and goodwill towards man, just seemed kind of unnecessary. Just do that every day, or any day. We should do that every day and any day, but... I won you over in the end. Yeah, my love of Christmas definitely started as loving it because you love it. But now I just love it. Good. I'm glad. That makes doing this podcast a lot easier. I mean, I'd be doing it anyway. But <laughs> yes, it makes it easier on me. So this podcast is specifically for talking about the new Christmas movies that come out. There are 97 Hallmark movies scheduled to come out this year. Oh my god. God, I I would have guessed like 20. Yeah, it has become quite the industry. But the problem is that so many of the stories are just recycled using the same actors and actresses or people that look so similar they might as well be the same person. Yep, a man with a more on top undercut and brown hair and a blonde woman. That's basically it. So what we'd like to do is watch some movies that come out this year, talk about them, are they good? Are they bad? What can be better? And just give you our take. There are going to be a lot of stinkers, aren't they? There might be. I'm going to try and steer us towards good ones so that way the people who listen to us know what good movies are out there as well. I personally love Christmas so much. It makes me really happy. I struggle a lot with my mental health and Christmas represents a time where things are supposed to take an upswing. Like, we've had a really draining year, and now is a time for renewal, right? Yes. So that's what I look forward to about Christmas every year. I also love the decorations. I love the lights. I love how people really turn out the best of themselves during this year, because now is the time. If not now, then when? For example, one of my favorite things to do is visit a house on Staten Island that goes bigger and bigger each year with decorations, not to show off, but to make other people happy and to raise money for a children's hospital. Yeah, that's a that's a great house. I love how it started to spill out into the neighbor's yards and they're just fine with it and how yeah. the entire backyard and even the front window of the house has all been converted into just Christmas stuff. And they're so much of it and a lot of it has a very uh what is it 1970s the albert finney christmas carol movie yes i believe that's when that came out yeah a lot of the like little moving scenes in the windows they have a very that movie feel to them <laughs> just that one specific movie that not will... that time frame yes no <laughs> not the time frame of a christmas carol no. just that one movie <laughs> it is it is very specific to that movie's aesthetic Speaking of movies, so people can get to know us and our taste, why don't we talk about some Christmas movies that we love? Okay. I'll start. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites is Albert Finney's rendition of A Christmas Carol. It was a family tradition every year. My dad actually tried to get us to watch different versions of A Christmas Carol, but mm -hmm. I refused to let him. Mm. 
We only watch the Albert Finney one. No other one matters. I mean, no Muppets. Okay, fine. The Muppets matter to an extent, but Albert Finney, ride or die. I mean, that's fair. It's a very good movie. And I don't say that because we basically watch it at least two times a year now. That's true. Muppets Christmas Carol will always have a special place in my heart as a Christmas movie. One, because the Muppets and the Muppets are great and I love them so much, but also because I basically look like the ghost of Christmas present puppet. Yeah, I see it. It's a big giant ginger man who just loves merriment and being jolly and feasting. And I can get behind that. That's a lot of really good stuff. I wouldn't classify either of those as my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Um, God, what is my favorite Christmas movie of all time? My it, first instinct is to say The Nightmare Before Christmas, but I don't think that's right either. That's more of a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the night before Christmas? Oh, God. You know what? I think it might be. No. You know what? I think it's going to vary from year to year depending on what new Christmas movies come out and which ones I, I particularly oh, no, it's like. it's Christmas Chronicles, isn't it's it? It's Christmas Chronicles. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. With, God, what is it? I can't remember the actor. Kurt actual, Russell. Kurt Russell. Thank you. And God. Goldie Hawn. Oh, Kurt Russell. We'll be talking about the Christmas Chronicles again later oh. once the sequel comes out, and I'm very excited about it. Kurt Russell's so pretty. He did a very good santa claus and i was very about it he tricked those kids he did trick those kids <laughs> but more on that on another date <laughs> okay so our first topic is actually going to be dash and lily's book of dares which is technically not a christmas movie no but each episode is only about 20 minutes and it's an eight episode run so it's basically the length it's of basically a the film. length of a movie also it was too good not to have it be our first episode yeah it was really good uh just some background dash and lily's book of dares is an adaptation of, of the book of the same name by david levithan and rachel Cohn. they've written other books like nick and nora's infinite playlist naomi and eli's no kiss list uh sam and ilsa's last hurrah and there's actually a sequel to dash and lily's book of dares and a third book actually just came out this past week. It's called Mind the Gap. I haven't actually read uh, Dash and Lily's Book of Dares, although I have seen the TV show now. I And I, I will now have to read it, if only to figure out the differences between the two. Also because it gets mentioned like once every other week in this household. It does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I feel like... I just, I have to now. I have to. There are so many things about Dash and Lily's Book of Dares, the book and the adaptation that speak to me spiritually as a person who loves Christmas and a person who loves books. Just a couple of things. This adaptation is available to stream on Netflix. It dropped on November 10th. All eight episodes are out right now. So you could just go and binge it to your heart's content. Dash and Lily's Book of Dares is about these two teenagers at Christmas time whose lives are are completely separate from each other. But due to an interfering older brother and a red notebook, they find themselves interacting and getting to know each other and pushing their own boundaries in a healthy way, I think. Yeah. I think that if either of them had decided that they did not want to do the dare, that they were outside of their comfort zone, they could have very easily said no, and it would have been entirely fine. And at the beginning of the movie, the two characters have phenomenally different takes on Christmas. They are the antithesis of each other. They're absolute polar opposites. Dash is <clears throat> that guy in your MFA when we first meet him. Oh, God. 
calls Christmas the most detestable time of the year. He's so pretentious. Sees it as a big facade. Everyone's just playing at being nice and they're all secretly terrible and it's commercialized. And he really is that dude in your MFA. But Lily is the complete polar opposite. Christmas is everything. It is purity. It is light. It is hope. It is joy and peace and goodwill towards everyone, not just man. I didn't think that there was a human being in existence who loved Christmas more than you do until I saw Lily just joyfully skipping with a bag full of tinsel off to do some caroling. Absolutely love it. In the books, Dash is written by David Levithan and Lily is written by Rachel Cohn. Mm -hmm. So David Levithan actually set up the Red Notebook thing. And then Rachel Cohn followed it up with a character completely different <laughs> than David Levithan expected. It worked well, though. Their dynamic is great. It's so good. And I think that the adaptation itself was really good. As a person who read the books, yeah, things were different. Things changed. Boomer was much smarter <laughs> in the adaptation than he was in the books. But he was still kind of a himbo. Hey, listen, it's great that, like, basically our only big screen time black character wasn't just an idiot. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people of color in the adaptation. Yeah. Like, Lily was from a mixed race family, and her grandfather was Japanese, and pretty much everyone else, even in Dash's friend group, were people of color. There was Priya, who was Indian. There was mm -hmm. Sophia, who was Colombian. And then there was uh, Dov and Yanni, who were... Jewish. Yeah. Like, hardcore Jewish, too. I, were they brothers or were they gay? I don't know. <laughs> I don't 100% know. Or were they just friends? I don't know, because there's that one scene where they get completely hammered after their show and they wake up cuddling on the couch. I but think are they, they just, were dating. Are they just comfortable with their masculinity or are they dating? We never really... There's no PDA with them. I'm or... fairly certain in the book they were dating. Headcanon accepted. <laughs> I love it. David Levithan, get at us. But yeah, it, it's not just Christmas. It covers the span of December, basically. Yeah. It's Hanukkah, Christmas, and even New Year's. Yes. I thought that the casting was really good. Austin Abrams played Dash. Midori Francis played Lily. I thought they did such an amazing job. They were perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Austin Abrams does a very good, pretentious 17-year-old, <laughs> um, like, first-year philosophy student with his, you know, open robe and his, you know, his brandy. You're 17, <laughs> sir. You are a child. Put down your father's brandy and pull your head out of your tukis. <laughs> I'm trying not to curse. It's a Christmas podcast. I, I appreciate it. We we can cover any curses with Jingle Bells. What do you think of that? <laughs> Don't give me that power. This will be half Jingle Bells. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Let's talk about uh, the good things about it. We've talked some of the good things so far. The diversity. Yeah. The humor was really good. It was it was so funny. It was hilarious. I thought the pacing was really good right up towards the end. Yeah, it definitely would have been uh, way too fast as a movie. And I love that more and more streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and whatever are taking 
you know, books and instead of adapting them into movies, they're adapting them into short television series. Like that was the beauty of a series of unfortunate events when mm -hmm. it came out, not a Christmas thing, but the movies with Jim Carrey were funny, but they did three books in one movie as opposed to two episodes per book in the TV show, which was much better. And I think that that same concept really shown through well here, eight episodes for one book was great. Yeah. As I mentioned, Boomer was much smarter in the adaptation than he was in the books. I thought that was a really good choice. A lot of the changes that they made, I felt were really smart choices, though there were some changes that I felt sad that I didn't see. Like there were some elements. There was a dog in the book. There should always be a dog. They paid homage to the dog. When Lily was in the dog park. Mm, yes. But the dog itself was not there. Should have been a dog. There should have been a dog. Also, Lily, I feel like, had more agency this time around. And I really appreciated that, too. Were David Levithan and Rachel Cohn involved in the production process for this? I'm not 100% certain on that. I'd have to do some research and get back to you. I know that Nick Jonas, <laughs> Nick was, Jonas one of, was one of the executive producers. Hey, hey, Nick Jonas, thank you for this. And thank you for giving yourself not only a concert <laughs> appearance, but also a cameo actually having lines appearance in this thing that you helped produce. He was the voice of reason. Yeah. No, listen, all respect due. It was a fun concert scene, and it was a great uh, scene in his trailer. It was great, 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 all told. I do love it. Also, Fred Savage was the director. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, interesting facts. I really loved the take on Lily's family. I loved that everyone she knew was someone who, like, owed her grandfather respect and there's definitely mob ties in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You don't give that much respect and deference to an old man unless you are absolutely certain that he could murder you <laughs> or get someone to do it. And I think he could. Yeah. I think Lily's grandfather could. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that I've seen that same actor play like old samurais in things at one point or another. I'm not 100% certain, but I would not be surprised. <laughs> other good things it made me very emotional yeah i liked you know one of the things i liked so much was it's the respect it paid to new york geography yes. and when dash gave home alone guff about its abuse of new york geography <laughs> yes. that was now as not a new yorker myself it did not have as much of an impact on me as it might have on you yeah. as a native but i cackled i cackled a lot it was Again, though, it was so pretentious. <laughs> of all the critiques to have of this movie, it's abuse of New York geography. Dash and Lily's Book of Dares is perfect if you are someone who loves Christmas, who loves romantic comedies, who loves New York. Who like, loves literature and loves literature. puzzles. The story begins at the New York Strand. Yeah. Just seeing that shot coming down from Union Square Park, it made me really nostalgic and emotional because I haven't been there for like a year now. I used to spend so much time in their 50 cent bookshelves. Yeah. I mean, the carts outside, passing by Forbidden Planet, like Forbidden Planet and The Strand were my two go-to stops no matter what. I always made sure any date I went on was near Union Square Park so we could go there because if it was going to be a bad date, I was going to get something out of it. 
And then uh, we got to see the Strands Rare Book Room. Oh, I in, love the Rare I haven't book been room. to the Strands Rare Book Room in four or five years. Oof. Yeah, I know. Been too long. I know, but it's uh, and I'm sure they've gotten new stuff since then. It keeps weird hours. That's why it's so hard to like make it. And also because I just haven't been in New York in a while. I spent, yeah. not since you moved to New Jersey. I haven't really had any need to go into New York. Boo. You were my main reason for, for hopping on the train and going over into that great city <laughs> that I love and that doesn't have too many people. Whatever. Okay. Lived in the suburbs all my life. What do you want from me? More. All right. <laughs> you know what else was really good? What? The soundtrack. Yeah. That soundtrack slapped. Oh my god. There was so much good music in there. It was so good. I have to see if there's an official playlist somewhere so I can add it to my Spotify because it was a good mix of Christmas and contemporary or like non-traditional tunes. It was just so good. I'm sure it'll come out on Spotify at some point or someone will just create a Spotify playlist based on the songs that were in the thing. I really, really hope they do. Listen, if no one does it, we all know that at some point or another, you are going to do it. I will. I will rewatch it and write down the songs because closed captioning tells me what song is playing. Yes. Uh, I love closed captioning so much. It's so useful. Put subtitles on everything. But yeah, I mean, something that was from the brains of David Levin and the Rachel Cohn was going to have amazing music no matter what. I believe you. Yeah, I never read anything by either of them. <laughs> I will fix that someday. I will fix that someday. It's my <laughs> choice. Thank you. No, but I'm very excited to read Dash and Lily's Book of Dares and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and the other ones. Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List, Sam and Ilsa's Last Hurrah. Those ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you want to talk about some things that maybe weren't so great? I'm sure you have some thoughts on this, so please, after you. So I mentioned that I thought the pacing was pretty good up and up until the end. The last episode actually gave me so much anxiety. Right, because we thought that it was going to end with them, with like her going off to... Fiji. Fiji, right, mm-hmm. yes. And like it seemed like it was going to end there. It just felt like the resolution happened very, very quickly. And I don't know, there was something about that that just drove up my anxiety because I was like... I, I'm, we're in the last episode. What else can happen? It has to be resolved. Please don't let it not be resolved. Which I know that's what you want, I guess, from media like this. But I don't know. It hurt my anxiety a lot. No. Like, listen, certain things do well with cliffhanger endings. But that's mostly if you like are expecting multiple seasons out of this. But the book is done. And, like, sure, they can do, you know, season two for book two and mm-hmm. season three for book three eventually but you know you have to end this season with the book resolved and it did feel very much like it had a very ya ending to it where it just felt like we did stuff we did stuff we did stuff last minute scramble to the end I mean, it is a YA book. Yeah. Um, It is a young adult book, and it is a young adult series. But my problem with the pacing of the last episode was that it didn't really give us time to see Dash and Lily in their resolution. Yeah. I mean, we had a little bit 
of that. Like we got that scene in the rare book room up in yeah. the strand. Um, and then I can't really remember if we got much else beyond. We got all the major problems sorted. Yeah. You know, if Lily was going to Fiji or not, if her grandfather forgave her or not, if um, Dash and Lily felt the same way about each other. We got all those resolutions, but very quickly, like within five minutes. You know what I just noticed just from you listing off those problems? Most of the problems in the final resolution were coming from Lily's end of things. Dash didn't really have any... Like issues to sort out. His family just lived in New York, and he might have not have had like the best relationship with his mom and dad. But they were absent for most of the movie, and a lot of the interpersonal drama centered around either Dash and Lily's particular relationship, and oof, that got way too many seventeen-year-olds drinking in <laughs> bars in yes! this New York. You're giving McSorley such a bad reputation. <laughs> I've never been there, so I can only assume that it's deserved. No, it's not deserved. McSorley's is great. But, um... I love you, McSorley's. I've never been to you, McSorley's, but I'm sure I'll go at some point or another. I miss the Thirsty Scholar. That's what I miss. I've never been to the Thirsty Scholar, but I always wanted to go to it every time I was nearby it because it has a name called the... It's the Thirsty Scholar. Like, <laughs> I am a Thirsty Scholar. Yes, please. Yeah, I know. But, um, now, now I want to go actually back to Lily's. <laughs> Oh, the past our brains take us. Ah. Uh, I think that's because for Dash, all of his problems were about himself and pushing past his pretensions to become a more joyous person or to be more willing and open-minded to accept joy in his life. Yeah, in like literary terms, the conflicts that these two characters deal with are very, very... Like, Dash's is very... Man versus self. Yeah. And Lily's is, I guess... World versus self? Um, Man versus community? Man versus environment? Um, but hers is very external and his are very internal. Yeah. We can just leave it at that and not try and find the actual terms for it because we don't have degrees in words. But we do, though. Shh. They don't need to know that. We have four between us. They don't need to know <laughs> that. We're cutting this out, right? <laughs> Depends on who's getting their hands on the editing. Yeah, the pacing wasn't super great. As I mentioned, there were a couple of things I was sad that they cut out. I need to do a rewatch to see if they made any references to Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Because in the book, there were references to it uh, during the basement punk scene. That's fair. Um, Yeah, a, a Jewish punk community. Specifically, not even just like a ethnically Jewish than punk community, but a specifically Jewish punk community is delightful. I don't know if New York has one of those, but I want it. Probably. Um, New York has one of everything. Yeah. Should we talk briefly about Langston and his delightful boyfriend and how many times Lily accidentally walked in on them and how willing they were to help her out with her ridiculous scavenger hunt? I think you already talked about it just now. Yeah, that was basically the whole thing, wasn't <laughs> that it? Was it? That was it. the whole thing. <laughs> I love Langston so much. He's so dumb, though. He's going to visit his mom for two weeks. We have to break up. Langston is not bright. Langston is also, like, 18. That's true. There's, like, so many adult themes going on around all of these characters, and they're played by people who are probably, you know, young adults, as opposed to literal teenagers. It's very hard to, like, remember that they are, in fact... 17 and 
probably 18 or... I would put Langston at 19 at the oldest. We know that Langston was in college and dropped out. So yeah. he's got to be at least a legal adult. I would I would say 19 or, or maybe 20 at the absolute oldest. I didn't really like Sophia in the way that she was portrayed. I don't know how Sophia was portrayed in um, the book, but one of the things that I liked about the Sophia and Tibbed. Tibode. Tibode, whatever his his Tibode. His Tibode. That's his what it is. Dumb, you know, trust fund absolutely played lacrosse in high school <laughs> name was because we got the resolution of toxic relationships for both of our main characters. Lily got to confront her bully and have a resolution there, um, and he remained terrible. And, you know, Dash dealt with his not great ex when we get all the pieces of that puzzle, like coming back into his life and seducing him in a museum. Yeah, the thing that I didn't like about Sophia is while I think it was really important for her to be part of this journey and to present Dash with this, like, what could be, I feel like they did the Sophia character a disservice by uh, having her know about Lily and yet still push Dash to get back together with her. Yeah, that feels very... That felt like pitting the girls against each other. Yes. And of course, Sophia, like, once she realizes, no, Dash is serious about her, then she lets go and she moves on. But it just, it didn't feel genuine to her character for her to say, hey, I already know that you're developing feelings for this mystery girl. Why don't we go back to our first date and then possibly sleep together? Eh? Yeah, I, I don't know her character outside of this TV show, so it didn't feel quite so out of character because, like, she is shown as being relatively controlling of, like, right. Dash and speaking for him in a lot of cases. And, like, he uses her as, like, a shield against his dad being kind of terrible at, like, dinner and stuff. But also, she was just very, very pushy right from the beginning. Like, Dash ignored her attempts to reach out for a good long while um and she just kept messaging which is someone who has had exes try and get back in contact when i have no interest in it it's very unsettling when people are that pushy to get back into your life after you have cut them out of it <clears throat> uh is there anything else you want to talk about i love lily's caroling group i love them too that's 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 all i really want to say about them they're great I love them. They are very, very supportive of this weird, in a wonderful way, 17-year-old who has attached herself to them like a remoraid to sharks. What I like about the Caroline group in the adaptation is that they're all just adults who happen to like Lily. Mm. Whereas in the books, they were all adults who owed her grandfather in some way. Ah, I just need to correct myself. Remoraid is a Pokemon. The fish is just called a remora. Um, don't at me. Nobody's going to at you. Someone was going to. In the books, the troop were comprised of people who owed her grandfather in some way, or she knew them from the neighborhood. Whereas this was a group of adults that she got together somehow, and they liked her regardless. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's nice. Like, there's nothing wrong with having adult friends. No, there isn't. I, I liked that they made that change because it showed that Lily 
has something for people to like and it's not just about what they owe her grandfather yeah yeah that's really all i have to or want to like there are there are scenes that we could pick out and we could go through but then at that point we're just taking a deep dive into it and we're just like making critical analysis of this piece of media which which is not our intention we just want to talk about why we like it and what might not be so great about it and there are so many things to like about this movie but also you have like 12 podcasts where you critically analyze media and my entire professional career is built around that so we're already starting to slip into that territory and i feel like we should move on to rating this yes before I, we... i'm trying to push us towards that okay i'm in let's go okay great for the overall rating based on completely arbitrary things mm -hmm. How many tree toppers do you give Dash and Lily's Book of Dares? I give it six out of five. Great start to the season. Excellent first Christmas thing to watch. All right. That's very generous. I'm going to say just five out of five tree toppers. I was very satisfied. It was an excellent watch. I think it's definitely worth your time. If you want to watch it all in one go, you can. If you want to break it up, you could do that too, and it's fine. It's bite-sized. It's neat. And as an adaptation, it's really strong. I agree. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this limited run podcast. Certain Point of View is a Certain Point of View production. Head over to CertainPOV.com to find a link to our Discord and join in the conversation. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. And we're wishing you a happy holiday. Bye. We love you. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.